The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Thursday, and you know what that means on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. It's another edition of Riled Up on the Cowboys, featuring my good buddy Tom Ryle, sporting that Tom Ryle Riled Up mug. At Tom Ryle BTB, you can find him on Twitter, and of course myself, Roy White at RW3, bringing you another edition of Riled Up on the Cowboys. And Tom, we're uh, we're into it now. We've got organized team activities yeah. uh, not quite not quite uh rookie minicamp is where we are here smack dab in the middle of this week two minicamps down one to go uh as we release this podcast here on a thursday and i'm interested to get your impressions from it now obviously you and i aren't out there getting a look at these players but we're gathering all the information following blogging the boys as you can at home if you're not getting to see the cowboys you're going to get the best dose of information and what is actually going on with these guys at practice from your friends at blogging the boys and we will continue to keep you informed there but i am just like the rest of the fan base tom in that i am very willing to get excited about the positives that I read at rookie minicamp. However, well, we'll, we'll start there. Positives. Okay. Micah Parsons, according to reports, looks like he has the makings of a playmaker. He, he, he looks like a legitimate first-round pick so far, I think. Yeah, he, 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 he had one of the picks, I believe. Uh, in the uh, two in the uh, practices that were covered, there was a third day of it. I just want to note that the uh, media did not have access to, so we don't really know what happened on that third day. But on day two, Parsons uh, snagged him uh, an interception, I believe. Was it him, mm-hmm. or was well, it Jabril Cox? There were a couple. Jabril Cox had one on a okay. Play down it was the Cox. Field. Yep, hung with the wide receiver for about thirty yards, and then wound up intercepting a ball that was that was tipped apparently and then it was it was nation Wright the got the other one and he had just a diving interception his was a pretty much a straight pick against admittedly not some of the greatest quarterback arm talent face but uh you know still he he came up with it um and i think you know those are the three kind of big stories that came out um in the fact that they they really looked good. Uh, uh, Parsons and Cox, I think, 
have got people really excited about, you know, is there a possibility they could both wind up on the field very soon, which of course means some other familiar names might not be out there. Um, I think we'd all feel better about that on third down minimum. Well, yeah, Cox is showing um, with having gotten the, uh, the pit interception off the deflection, he's kind of showing that he is a very good coverage linebacker. And again, you know, you have to consider the competition he was going up against, but that's what you need in today's NFL is uh, a linebacker who is comfortable in coverage. Who's good. Um, It looks like Cox wouldn't have any trouble at all picking up a linebacker or a a running back coming out of the backfield and carrying them across the field. Um, So they really need that. And that just seems to be his reputation. And and all we've really seen so far is a little bit of possible confirmation about that, that part of his game, which, you know, is a very positive sign. Parsons certainly looked the part out there um, from everything we have read, of course. Um, and I think Nashon Wright getting uh, that pick, he was the guy that everybody kind of went, huh, when his name was called during the draft, uh, with the exception of a very few people, like I believe Jonah Tolls had him as a, a possible day two pick. Um, and a lot of people just hadn't heard of him. He, he kind of was under the radar and everything. So to see him flash even a little bit out there has to be a little bit encouraging and give us some hope that maybe Will McClay and his scouts uh, actually found something here that a lot of the NFL missed or at least a lot of the media missed because it just might have been there might have been a couple other teams that were interested in him and the Cowboys have to get to him first. So it's awfully hard to miss him. Uh, he is six four <laughs> out there. So yeah. as tall as he is playing cornerback, like it's awfully hard to miss that guy. But you're right. Now I will say I take that a little bit with a grain of salt, right? As to the praise that he is receiving at the moment, because at the time what it seemed many people were basing their opinions on him off of was what he had done in college what he had actually done on the field and on film, right? So while it's exciting to hear these reports, and, and that's where I guess I, I don't want to be necessarily the, the wet blanket here, but I do want to play devil's advocate in that let's remember that the playmaking ability of Micah Parsons is coming against an offensive unit that by and large, at least according to reports, didn't complete a whole lot of passes over this two-day stretch that the media had access to, right? We're talking about quarterbacks by the name of JT Barrett and another quarterback who I can't even recall the name of because he's probably not one you've ever heard of, right? Um, In addition to that, they were dealing with another issue which maybe needs to be a a longer topic of conversation at some point, which is apparently the way the Cowboys have built the buildings up around their practice field has created somewhat of a wind tunnel that makes it very difficult, even in good conditions, for quarterbacks to kind of move the football. Now, I'll reserve all judgment on those opinions until Dak Prescott is slinging the football around out there in practice. And that is why, at the same time, all of these positives in regard to the defense, to me, don't mean a sack of shit when it comes to rookie minicamps. If these same... let... Go ahead. I was... Now, let me tell you something that I think does mean 
uh, a, 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 a container of manure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian Broda said that the thing about Wright was that he did not move like a six four cornerback. They said he he could sink his hips. He was very fluid. He was you know able to to get in and out of his changes of directions very well. He, he just did not look that tall when you looked at how he was moving. Yet he still got that height and length that's going to make him a very hard guy to throw over. So if he can stick close to the receiver like that, he presents an interesting challenge for people. And I think it's going to be very interesting, particularly when we get to the preseason games, to see how he's doing out there, uh, you know, against what will hopefully be some more competition to deal with, something a little bit more um, challenging to it. Because if that holds true, then, you know, this, this guy might have a future in the, in the secondary. Uh, you know, they've got a couple guys coming up uh, on contract. They're on contract years this year. And given, you know, the fact that the Cowboys have a lot of money invested otherwise, they do have some cap management uh, strategy they have to continue. And if Wright pans out, he could be indeed some of that cap management strategy that they need to have. Oh, well, there's no question about it that he's going to have every opportunity to fill a role in this defense. And it's kind of crazy to think at some point in this season, I don't think it's unreasonable to have the idea that up to four defensive starters from this draft class could be on the field at the same time, right? Yeah. Cox, Parsons, you've got Wright and Kelvin Joseph. And I think it's very possible at some point early in the season. We could see those four guys. That's not even including any of the defensive linemen that the Cowboys also selected in this most recent draft. So um, taking a look at – and obviously you did mention Jabril Cox with the nice interception. I I still say I think he's the one that can ultimately excite Cowboys fans the most, although it seems the hype train on on Micah playing Mike linebacker is is starting to build just a little bit. I don't know how much of that is us convincing ourselves that – yes, we made the right pick here, or it is one that has a chance to work out for us. Because even if he does become a world-class Hall of Fame linebacker, he's got to almost become one to the level of a Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis type to make it feel like it was worth it to me. Maybe I'm alone in, in that regard, but I felt that way about it about the draft, and I still feel that way about it today. But it. it makes sense to balance the lack of value the linebacker position has in the NFL today. You have to get exceptional performance to feel like it's worth it. You know, because what you're saying is if it, if it was, you know, CD lamb came out and, and everybody has no question about the value because he was a high value position, a wide receiver he came out, produced his first season, certainly showed he belonged on the field, was doing, you know, he was just another one of the guy that was, you know, doing really well with Dak Prescott and still managed to perform with the, you know, the three other quarterbacks he had to go out and play with. But a linebacker has to do more to be as valuable. That's, it's a, a, an equation some will argue with, but I think it's pretty much the only rational way you can look at things because it's a passing league. Um, 
And a linebacker's main job is supposed to be stopping the run. And I think Parsons will be most valuable stopping the run. And then in the passing game, if Dan Queen, Dan Quinn is indeed going to send him on some blitzes, that's where he can, he can uh, provide value there. But, uh, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got a lot we've still got to find out about this and a lot of assumptions. And real quickly also, the, the other part about him that honestly plays against him and not his fault because they got a great value in Jabril Cox where they got him. But he's got to drastically outplay Jabril Cox in and of itself, right? Just to have fans not be on his ass about where he was taken and the expects of, you know, expectations upon him. You mentioned Dan Quinn, and I did want to touch on that briefly because that yes. was another aspect of – you know, a topic of conversation on social media was that, wow, a coach that actually is willing to put his hands on players. And he even filled in for uh, the young nose tackle who you actually wrote about on blogging Mm -hmm. boys this week. He filled in on a couple of plays. Now he and Al Harris, uh, you know, stepped in because oftentimes that's needed for rookie minicamp. But why do you think there was such a bubbling amongst Cowboys fan bases in regards to Dan Quinn, simply what it seemed to be was just a simple video of, of how we would think coaches would be interacting with players on a fairly regular basis, right? Him yeah, it was, it was working with, uh, yeah, I was working with the rookie uh, DT uh, Osa Odigazua. Odigazua. Thanks Digi, for saying as it. We so should always uh, yeah, I was, I was doing that to practice because this is one of the more challenging. There's a lot of interest. You know, Saying them is one thing. Spelling them right when you're writing them. Why, why can't his nickname be Boss Man Fat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, Kelvin Joseph doesn't look like a Boss Man Fat. But, you know, <laughs> that's another story. And that's the Boss Man Fat has apparently been put on ice for a while, which is a very intelligent approach for the man to take. But getting back to Dan Quinn and Diggy. Uh, there was just a clip of him out there working on hand technique, which is very important for linemen is the hand technique, uh, you know, because the offensive linemen are trying to keep them off of them and the defensive linemen are trying to get around them and control the, the offensive line. So he was out there showing it. And the reason that this got a lot of people to sit up and take notice, remember last year when the defense was just, not getting it done, and rumors emerged. People were complaining about the fact that Mike Nolan and his defensive staff were not really into the whole teaching thing. Um, it looks like that is what Quinn thrives on. He wants to get out there and get hands-on, uh, show people what he wants them to do, and make sure that they have the right technique. That can be invaluable if it's done properly. Um, you know, once again, we're going to have to wait and see uh, how it all pans out when the, uh, you know, the pads come on and then it, eventually when the games start to count. But I think it's, it's one of those things like, uh, you know, where I think it was a thing called the Hawthorne effect, I think they talked about. Basically, they, they found out that if people are – bought into it that it doesn't matter so much what the change is it's just that you're out there trying to do something and the people seem to work harder to put more effort into stuff 
Um, and, you know, that can – psychology – the psychology of, of playing football is like – well, the psychology of everything. It's very hard to really understand how it all works. But there seems to be a very real thing that, that when you get the players bought in, you get better performance, all other things being equal, just because they are believing in what they're doing and they're buying what the coaches are doing. And, yeah, frankly, if you've got a, the, the defensive coordinator out there saying, no, put your hand like this and then do this, that is a way to get people bought in because he's showing that one-on-one interaction. He's, he's doing the teaching. Uh, you know, with the rookie coming in, these guys are probably hungry for anything they can get that will help them stick and do a good job and go on to a very lucrative career. No question about it. Well, like you said, uh, it is exciting to at least see some teaching going down. Now, I thought the biggest disconnect was not necessarily the, the teaching, but the communication aspect of it. So I'll be, again, one of those ones where it's, it's nice to see it at rookie camp, but I kind of want to hear what the veterans have to say about it. I kind of want to yeah. hear about how he's communicating with the veterans of this team and the guys that are actually going to be here as opposed to, in most cases – right outside of the rookie draft picks guys who you know are really just out there to to be able to allow the the draft picks to practice so to speak well, so. th- that there's another factor that kind of plays into it and it's something that I strongly believed in uh and and when I was still out there you know working for a living instead of being all fat dumb and retired like I am now but if you had a choice between going in to replace someone who had a sterling reputation, the people liked him and the shop was running smoothly, or going in to replace an absolute asshole who was detested and kind of things were not doing well, you always went in to the job that the asshole had because (laughs) you were going to look good virtually with anything you did. Just the relief factor from not having deal with the asshole and just as long as you didn't come in and immediately act the same way people would tend to give you better performance and it just would do better there seems to have been a genuine level of discontent with the old defensive coaching staff now i think quinn has you know he has that as a chance to use it as a force multiplier if you want to call it it will make him more effective just because a lot of people can't work talking, you know, off the record to the reporters, and that's where they were picking all this up. Uh, there were some unhappy people. Now, okay, you know, they, they are in the position of, well, I've got a new guy, so I guess I need to give him a chance or it kind of makes me look stupid. So I think this can be a very – this can develop well if everything does come together. I just – I feel a little – I feel fairly – that's one thing I feel optimistic about is that there's going to be a bit of a honeymoon with Quinn and the defensive players. And that's kind of natural in a situation like this. A bit of one. I mean, we thought the same thing. There would be one with Mike Nolan and it lasted about a week and a half, maybe two. Well, yeah. When they went out there and didn't know what the heck they were doing, there was, there was something woefully wrong. And remember that you talk about communication going hands on, like, like we saw Quinn doing, that's just another form of communication. And maybe that's just something he has in his toolbox that Nolan and his guys didn't. 
So uh, it's it's something it's something to watch to see how it pans out. See if our kind of optimistic look, uh, optimistic feelings uh, turn out well, or if it, if they don't, because that's part of the adventure: finding out if this stuff is a mirage in the spring or if it really bears fruit when the fall comes around. Well, when I look at the coaching changes as well, I mean, I really like the fact that they brought on Al Harris, Al Harris and uh, congratulations to him. He's going to be enshrined into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame there yes. in August. So kudos to the uh, the Cowboys secondary coach who took some snaps with the rookies as well, and I imagine is probably showing them some techniques. We could uh, use a few techniques from an all-pro corner uh, during and, his time there in Al Harris. Speaking of linebackers, uh, I believe it's George Edwards that was doing a lot of work with the linebackers. He has a um, – I can't remember quite what his job is called, but I'm going to pull it up here in just a minute. Uh, I think he's technically just a special assistant of some kind. Uh, yeah, senior defensive assistant. But he was out there with uh, apparently taking a more direct role with linebackers and Scott McCurley, who is officially the linebackers coach. And that was something that uh, several of the uh, media remarked on and thought that that was definitely a positive development because Edwards is very well respected among the, uh, you know, coaching community and the the media. Mm -hmm. Well, we will keep you posted on uh, all the Cowboys practice notes. Of course, next week, they will begin OTAs for the first time. Uh, first set of those from Mar- May 25th through the 27th, I believe. And then they'll go again the following week and have one more set uh, the second week there in June. So we will yeah. post it's- on all that. And to me, Tom, I mean, while I, you know, while here I am kind of uh, jokingly blasting the items that we hear from rookie minicamp, because to me, again, you know, they're, look at who's throwing the football, look at who they're playing against. 90% of the players that are out on that field during this practice time will not be playing in the NFL. Well, next week, 90% of the players that will be out on that field will be playing in the NFL or have played in the NFL. So at that point, um, I'll take these reports of, you know, individual prowess. I'll take them a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And one, you know, one just – you know, interesting note, uh, the Cowboys are only using nine of their 10 allotted uh, OTA practices. Uh, and uh, Mike McCarthy basically said that that's taking into uh, consideration the fact that the Cowboys start camp early because they are one of the participants in the Hall of Fame game. You know, they were supposed to be in the Hall of Fame game last year. It got canceled due to COVID. So they just rolled it back. I believe they're playing the Steelers. Uh, and of course, all the Hall of Fame game really is is sort of a really intense scrimmage for rookies and bottom of the roster players. You're not going to see Dak Prescott or Demarcus Lawrence out there. You're going to see a bunch of these guys that are trying to make the roster, that are learning their jobs. So it's it's going to be interesting though because it's going to be on television. We're going to actually get to see. Micah Parsons and Jabril Cox and, you know, uh, people like, uh, you know, like, uh, the, my, my guy, actually, right. Trying to forget. Uh, yeah. Right. We're going to get to see him. And we'll also, of course, uh, 
you're going to get to see Quentin Bohanna, see how he fills in at that nose tackle. And a guy I'm really interested to in seeing is the cornerback who's turning into a safety, Israel Makwamu. Israel Makwamu. That's another name I got to work on. Uh, <laughs> you know, he'll be good to see. Uh, that'll be a good chance to see what happens with uh, Simi Fahoko when, you know, hopefully he's working with uh, a Garrett Gilbert. Uh, who can get the ball to him some. Um, and Not a even, Brett Hundley. You know, it could be. That's gonna, it's interesting to see. Remember, the Cowboys have four quarterbacks on the roster right now. Uh, we know, you know, of course, Dak Prescott is, is the starter uh, and, you know, the, the, the multi-million dollar, fourth highest paid professional athlete, is it, this year? That's right. In um, all the world. Um, of course, we have Garrett Gilbert behind him. Ben DiNucci, who yeah. they thought was going to be eligible for this rookie minicamp, and they, it turned out he wasn't, so that's why they kind of need to scramble for uh, the JT Barretts of the world. And then, of course, as I just kind of alluded to, the hosting of Brett Hungley, the former darling of – And the guy everybody forgets, Cooper Rush, is there. And, you know, the, the general feeling is that they work out something with Brett Hundley, they've got to clear a roster spot for him. And a lot of people think it's going to be Rush that will go. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't find it a shock, though, if instead they decided to cut uh, the Nooch. And, uh, you know, but uh, I'm just – I'm not sure how much they really want to push with that experiment or if they were – how sour a taste. Uh, last having to also consider the fact that he got thrown in there woefully underprepared and you can't really expect given the lack of uh you know preseason games and all the all season uh all season stuff so yeah i i rush would probably be the most likely one to go but we'll just have to see how that develops and it's going to be something that could be a a little bit of a a storyline that pops up Tom, you briefly mentioned his name, but for Cowboys fans who kind of aren't familiar, you also wrote an article about it on bloggingtheboys.com, the position that the Cowboys sort of fortified that not a lot of people are talking about. Can you expound on what you wrote yeah. about and, and why you think this is actually a position that is going to play a big part in the Cowboys' success or failure in the 2021 season? Yeah, that, that is a six-round pick, Quentin Bohanna who was listed at 327 pounds uh, playing nose tackle. This is a player that the Cowboys have not had. I'm not talking the individual player. I mean the big run-stuffing nose tackle. And the Cowboys paid for it last year. Um, everyone talks about how bad the defense was last year. Well, the pass defense really wasn't that bad as far as you look at bulk stats. And the reason for that was teams were getting so many yards on the ground, they didn't have to rely on the pass. Uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns ran for over 300 yards. You know, it pains me just to talk about that. And this, I think, is what Bohanna brings them, is, is if he is able to hold his ground the way he was in college, and stuff that middle of the line against the run. And then that helps the lineman 
around him, and it helps keep the linebackers clean so that they can stop the run so that if instead of getting five or six yards on a first down run, they're getting one or two yards, now you're suddenly pushing into, well, okay, we've got to think about passing now. Now you're dictating the flow of the game. So even though Bohanna may be almost entirely a first down role-playing defensive tackle, that would be very important for the team in setting the tone and controlling the clock and getting the ball back for the offense. And I think his existence there shows a little bit about what Quinn wants to do. And as someone, someone did a, a little bit of research on it and said that, well, defensive tackles like that are very commonly late round finds. Uh, there was only one, legitimate nose tackle that was taken earlier in the draft than he was. So he may be an extremely good pick there. And he also may really be a surprise because if he's the designated nose tackle on first down, well, that makes him a starter. Even if he only plays 35, 40% of the snaps, that makes him a starter. He may have a really open path to being one of the rookies that is technically a starter. Now, it doesn't mean much because, you know, assuming, let's say, they stop a run on first down, then he's going to trot off, and uh, Diggy or Neville Gallimore or Tristan Hill, whoever was off the field for first down is going to come in, and now they're going to be geared for a pass defense. But... I think he's going to turn up and have an important, if not statistically or just pure number of snaps, that big a role. What he does and how he sets up the following downs, I think is going to be very, very valuable to the Cowboys. Can't wait to continue to follow it. We will have you covered here at Blogging the Boys all off season long, right? No need to go anywhere else for your Cowboys news. Don't worry about going to the Cowboys fan page because I promise you they're not getting it as quickly as we are over at Blogging the Boys. Our man, RJ Ochoa, churning out content. <laughs> Tom, a part of that awesome crew that's giving you stuff on Blogging the Boys. Plenty of stuff to think about in the off season, And I promise you, this is where the radio shows go for their content. This is where they go. <laughs> to talk about the subjects that they are going to talk the following about the following day. You can start talking about them by getting involved in the conversation. Tweeting my man, Tom, at TomRyleBTB. You can reach out to me as well, at RW3RoyWhite. Uh, with that being said, Tom, I think next week maybe we'll get into, you, you briefly touched on it, we'll get into the players who have the best opportunity, the paths of least resistance to find their way into a starting role for the Dallas Cowboys in 2021. But with that, another Thursday in the books. This was Riled Up on the Cowboys on the Blogging the Boys Cowboys Network, podcast network, powered by SB Nation. We'll see you next Thursday.